Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Linux in the Ham Shack. My name is Richard, KB5JBV, and I'd like to say hello, especially to all those fat bottom girls around the world listening to our show tonight. Yes, sir. And if you are keeping count, we are 317 days to the end of the world as we know it as of this recording. So y'all set your clocks, make sure they're right. You want to get up and be ready to go. You get, get, get everything packed up and all those loose ends taken care of because 317 days from now, it's time to go. Let me introduce you to my co-host and the king of loud, raunchy rock and roll. Up there in the booby mountains, it's Russ K5TUX. Say hello to everybody, Russ. Hey everybody, this is Russ K5TUX uh, on the nice and lightly dew-covered Booby Mountains in north-central Arkansas. Ooh, dew on the booby. Yeah, that's right. There's nice dew cover on the boobies. Now that we've run off everybody under the age of 16, no, 16, that's that's given too much credit. Let's try 12. Thanks everybody for tuning in to episode number 74 of Linux in the Ham Shack, and thanks to everybody who showed up in the chat room tonight. It's good to see everybody out there. Thanks to everybody who's listening in on the live stream as well. We've got a good show for you tonight. We've actually got a jam-packed show full of information and great stuff that you want to know about. So we better get this thing kicked off. I'll send it back down to Richard. And uh, so what's been going on down in your world? Not a whole lot. I am now gainfully employed once again. I just hope I'm able to keep all my fingers in the process. Other than that, life has been uh, pretty mediocre. <laughs> In fact, I got woke up this morning, had to go straight out and fight with the people over battery for the for Brenda's van. But she's back on the road, got wheels under her butt, which means I can sleep in. I can sleep in. All right. So uh, what do we got in the way of announcements, Russ? I really don't have much of anything. I've been kind of concentrating on something else. You've been concentrating on something else? Yeah. Oh, this is something else you're going to talk about? No, it was gainful employment. Oh, okay. Well, gainful employment is definitely good. Okay, well, I do have a couple of announcements to start the show. The first of which is that I mentioned in the last episode that I was going to get around to uploading the Black Sparrow Media Network app for iTunes so that you could download that on your iPhone or iPod or iPad, whichever you might have. I have actually gone through the hefty rigmarole required to get that done, and now I'm just waiting for Apple to approve the app which they said can take up to two weeks. So you go through all of this 
you know, ridiculous process of getting everything cryptographically signed and uploaded, and then they have to review it. Big, big freaking deal. But as soon as that happens, it will be in the iTunes store, and I will let everybody know either on the show or via the website. So stay tuned for that if you happen to have an Apple device. So that's announcement number one. Anything to comment on that? Actually, my, my, my oldest boy and his wife just bought one of those brand new iPhones. Yes, buddy. They went down, they, they re-upped the contract, got a new iPhone and everything else, and they spent three days trying to get into iTunes to put their stuff that they paid for that they can't play on anything else put on their phones. I don't have a high regard for the uh, fruit-filled computer slash iPhone slash iPad bunch. I do have a couple of iPods, but they were gifts. Y'all go download the app. Download the app so you can hear Richard say booby mountains because that's how Richard gets wives to start listening to the show. <laughs> so what else we got, Russ? Well, go ahead and download the app once it's available. Whenever that is, we'll let you know. I was going to say something else about that, but I've already forgotten what it was. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Anyway, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is that there is a special event ham station that's going to be set up on April 13th through the 15th this year to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the Titanic disaster. And it's going to be call sign Whiskey Zero Sierra, W0S. And I plan on operating that station at some time during the three days that it is up. Not sure when that's going to be yet. I will try to make some sort of announcement before it actually happens. But if you would like to contact W0S, I will be operating that station along with a whole bunch of other volunteers uh, from the 13th to the 15th of April. So just keep that on your calendars and maybe we'll actually have a QSO with some of our listeners, which would be kind of cool. You can find out more about that at www.w0s.com. That's whiskey, Zulu, Echo, Romeo, Oscar, Sierra.com. Anything to say about that? Actually, I need to try and find an HF radio so I can go ahead and I miss special events stations. I haven't had my HF radio for about six months now, and I'm starting to Jones on them special event station cards because... I run across my, my card boxes we were moving and got to seeing some of the stuff of work. Oh, my goodness. If y'all have never worked at Special Events Station, get get on in there. It's good practice for a lot of reasons, and you normally get a really nice card or certificate or whatever. What are they doing, a card? Uh, they're doing like a postcard-type QSL card, and they actually have a lot of information about that on the website. And you can uh, you can get a link to their website from our website, lhspodcast.info, and it'll be in the show notes as well. So, yeah, uh, I mean, cards are pretty easy to store. You know, if you're an amateur radio operator and you get QSF cards, chances are you've got a file box somewhere. So they uh, they store up real nice, and you can take them out, lay them out, and look at them, and play with them, love them, mark, kiss them, and mark them with a B, and all that good stuff. I'm, I'm a fan of special events stations. So y'all make sure y'all... Uh, Y'all fire up the receiver on April 13th through the 15th, 2012 for the 100th anniversary of the Titanic disaster. And uh, you didn't put the website here. Give them the website one more time, Russ. Okay, the website is www.whiskeyzuluechoromeooscarsierra.com. www.w0s.com, all spelled out. 
Now see that now. See next, I have to listen to the next episode now so I can get to get the uh, get the web address. I would like to point out to everybody who listened to the last episode and episodes previous to this that Richard just used a Q code in spoken word. When QSL card. That's what they're called. But yes, but you That's you did the it. Name of them. That's I, the name <laughs> of them. I don't care. You could call it a contact card, a contact memorabilia card. Something else contact cards. I'm not saying anyone does, but I'm saying you have to use the QSL, you know, moniker. If you're going to call you, them anything, you, you, you go, you go find, you go find. Can you, can you get some cards like that? Call them anything but a QSL card. <laughs> you just and don't want me to ever bust your chops. On the air. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, <laughs> it doesn't matter. If it's a great the big old not. fat wire running from this microphone all the way into everything and goes into the wall. <laughs> uh, anyway, hopefully I'll, uh, talk to some of our listeners as well as a bunch of other people working W zero S that should be a lot of fun. That's all Thank I had you. for announcements. And I was hoping that you might have one or two so we could sort of transition nicely into the first thing we do before we get to the first break. But I think you have a topic you did want to get off your chest. Am I correct? No. Oh no. You're going to do that thing later. You talk, mean talking about on talking about picking on Linux mint people. I was joking about that. Oh, you were joking about that. Okay. Yeah. I was taunting someone in the chat room. Okay. Well, you actually put some information in about this first uh, email that we got. One of the topics that we were supposed to talk about last episode and wound up not doing that. So do you want to go ahead and read this email and then we'll discuss it? Okay, let me, let me get my re- email reading glasses out. This is an email we received from Scott, 87MI, on linking APRS and a weather station. Email reads, I am trying to wade through the process of migrating my APRS station from Windows to Ubuntu. Disaster is pretty straightforward where it, uh, where it has become complicated. Me. Where it has become complicated for me is integrating my Davis Vantage Pro 2 weather station. Mateo seems to be the solution, but is not very not a very elegant solution. Hmm, must be the wrong glasses. WVU seems seems like it should pro- provide a nice bridge between Zaster and the weather station, but only with a workaround that involves internet connectivity. If you are looking for show ideas, I could sure use some guidance on how to get Zaster to play nicely with my Davis Vantage Pro 2. And that's signed Scott, AD7MI. So, Rush, you know anything about this? APRS weather station booby crap? Well, the thing about it is, as listeners to the show will probably realize, neither Richard or I really use APRS all that much. That's not to say we haven't talked about Zaster in the past and other applications for APRS and such, but we're not experts on it by any means, unless this has changed. Has that changed for you? Well, I probably know enough to talk about this. some. Okay, good. Cause, uh, I really don't. One of the things that I have checked out are the two applications that Scott mentioned. The first one being uh, what I'm going to call Medio because it looks like the beginning of meteorology. Now, whether that's pronounced correctly or not, I can't say, but that's what I'm going to call it. And this one seems to be specific to the Davis weather stations 
which happens to be what Scott is using. And the other one, WVU, also works with Davis Weather Stations plus a whole bunch of other ones. And what these seem to do is dump out weather data. Basically, they monitor the weather station, and every so often they will spit out data points, which can then be graphed or viewed or otherwise inserted into other applications. Scott is trying to take this data and insert it into APRS so that there is weather data available from his APRS installation. Now, honestly, I tried to figure out with my limited knowledge of APRS and these weather apps how to do anything with them, and I couldn't really figure any of that out. But Richard says he has some insight, so I'm going to go ahead and let you impart some of that insight. See, it's scary because Richard Richard will tell you he knows everything when he don't know nothing. He'll tell you he don't know nothing when he knows some. Anyway... Yes, I went over and took took a look at both of these programs, and let me back up and st- uh, start from the beginning. I am familiar, Scott, and others listening out there with uh, the, the Weather Station APRS deal. Uh, those of y'all who don't know is that it is possible to take uh, some of the commercial uh, small weather stations that you put up at your house and interface them with your computer and send that information via APRS so that the uh, other stations on the APRS frequency that can receive you are able to see uh, what weather conditions you are monitoring at your locations at your location in real time. If you've ever looked at the, uh, the map over at APRS FI or one of the other, in fact, I think Google's got a map for it now. Also, you'll see a bunch of stations that are a little blue circle with, I can't remember what they say in them. It's been so long since I looked at it. If you click on them or or that kind of stuff, it will show you the current temperature, humidity, wind, that kind of stuff. Basic information. Now, what these two programs do is they take the information from the weather station, pass it to the uh, APRS program so it can move on out over the air. Now, this is, of course, like everything else, everybody's got a copy of Windows that comes with their computer when they first get it. Those who are not uh, super knowledgeable go straight to the easiest thing, which is one of the three or four standard APRS programs for Windows, and then they plug it into the weather program for Windows. This particular deal here, this this first one, Medio, Mateo, whatever it is, is specifically designed for uh, Linux computers. The only thing that bothers me about it is if you go over and take a look at their website, it hasn't been updated since 2004. That's the newest page with a recent or last updated label on it I can find is 2004. However, what this does is it it pulls down the information, loads it into a database, you can then retrieve that information out of the database and send it out over there. Now, in the case of this one, since it doesn't seem to have a lot of development going on, and the last update I could see for find for it wasn't even version one. If you want to find out more about this, and there's not a lot of information on the website, my suggestion would be go to the mailing list because there is a uh, link on their website to get to the mailing list for this particular application. 
medio-request.atlists.othello.ch. Get on the list there and talk to these guys. See if there's any active development going on with this. Because, yes, 87MI, your weather station is one of the ones that's in the list. I'm sure that's why you went ahead and went with this. Neither one of these two applications is in the uh, in the repositories for the version of Ubuntu I'm running on the machine I use every day. I imagine you probably found them doing a Google search or something. Now, WView, on the other hand, I've gone and looked at it also. And WView has really extensive... Uh, documentation. I didn't read too far into it. See actually how involved it is. I do understand that it cre- it generates its own web page. There are some things you have to load in, like uh, Apache and some other things. It also run also dumps this information to a database to be pulled up later. And I'm not exactly sure what the workaround is, and I don't even recall if I saw your particular weather station in the database or in the uh, list of stations that, well, yeah, it says it will run the Davis uh, Vantage Pro and Pro 2. Yeah, it's actually the first one in the list. Uh, This one here, this would be the one I'd pick. And if it takes a little work to get it going, you know, the deal is with, with Linux is that the guys that are programming for Linux are trying to program for really useful stuff. And their criteria for useful stuff is probably different as amateur as ours is being amateur radio operators. But this particular program looks to me like it has the potential to actually get going somewhere. And they have separate uh, quick start guides for Mac OS, OS X uh, operating systems. The quick start guide for Debian. When I looked in the list, it's not just Debian. They also have... Uh, different versions of Ubuntu listed all the way up to Natty. And it can be, you can put the uh, software sources in so that you can update it without having to go over and dig around on the website, find the files and all this other stuff. You'll be able to use apt or synaptic or, or whatever to get these get these newer versions downloaded. I've talked on this and what it basically boils down to is you have a weather station, you have a radio, you want them to talk to each other so you can send this information out. My best suggestion on the whole thing is pick one, run with it, and get in there and talk to the guys that are using it. I know at least, uh, let's see, I was looking earlier. I know there's one station here. in There's one station in Collinsville, Texas, here. There's also one in Plano. There's another one down in Houston. And I went past pretty fast. There's one in Highland, Texas. And and depending on what part of the world you're in, there's probably one of these guys fairly close to you, and you may be able to hook up with an email, and they can help you out also. I wish I could be more help with this, but uh, another one of the things I want to say about WVU before we uh, get too far off of off of the center of the subject, the only thing I found in the documentation that looked like you might need an internet connection is if you're going to be reporting information to CWOP, Weather Underground, Weather for You, or I don't know how to pronounce that one, Awakus, Awakus, 
which are different places. Uh, CWOP is the uh, Citizen Weather Obs Observer Program that just allows people to share this weather information and anybody to get a hold of it. Same way with Weather Underground. I believe Weather Underground's uh, one of those sites that's on our side, you know, free and free. And uh, Weather For You, I haven't checked into, but uh, I found the word ham radio operators on it three or four times as I glanced at it. So I imagine it's geared more towards us. And let me see if I can find the last one. No, it's something else I wanted to grab about. One thing I it's, will say about the WVU software is that it seems to be very well documented. And uh, there, there are lots of different, there's like a quick start guide. There's a user manual. There's uh, upgrade instructions. There's all kinds of information on the website. It's packaged for various Debian distributions. You can install it from source. It looks like it's well, well documented. The web generation that actually shows like the gauges and the graphs and stuff looks very, very nice. And as far as the configuration is concerned, I'm wondering why they haven't been sued by Linksys uh, and or Cisco which I guess, I mean, Linksys or Cisco, since they're the same thing now. Because if you've ever seen any of the WAPs or WAGs, you know, the wireless access points or any of the Linksys routers or anything like that, the configuration utility, the web utility for doing the configuration, this looks like it was stolen directly from that. It looks like you're on a Linksys router doing configuration of this weather station. It's a little bit weird. Did you notice that down at the bottom of the, the front page there? Well, yeah, I noticed that when I was going along, and I guess I forgot to put it in the Etherpad, but yes, <laughs> it looks exactly like the inside of my Linksys routers. Um, so I don't know if they just stole the like CSS out of a Linksys router to do their uh, to do their web page, you know, configuration markup with. But if you've ever seen a Linksys router, then configuring this this device or this software WView should be very familiar to you. Yes, because even even on those first uh, those two screens they show, you've got uh, several of the services that are running, database records, station type, ports. Yeah, it it looks a lot like the inside of a Linksys router. But uh, I want to run this stuff just to uh, I want to run this stuff just to look at it, even though I don't have a weather station currently, just because I I want to see what this interface is like. I imagine you can pro probably pull the information back through the other way also, but, uh, he was, he seemed to be concerned about this one because it was, uh, there's apparently he found, found something that led him to believe that you absolutely positively had to have an internet connection to make it work. I haven't been able to find that. Doesn't mean it ain't there. I just haven't been able to find it. However, for those of y'all that are interested, uh, the Meteo, Mateo, if you want to go check that one out, M-E-T-E-O dot Othello. Oh, wait a minute. Some of you guys might be under 30. M-E-T-E-O dot O-T-H-E-L-L-O dot C-H. Go over and check that one out. Uh, we also have a weather view at www dot uh, WView Weather. Okay, WView is the name of the thing. WViewWeather.com. And all this stuff will be in the show notes because Bill sneaks in there and pulls down the etherpad and then fixes where we misspelled stuff and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's what we pay him for. 
We're happy to have him too. That's right. Happy to have him. I guess we've probably exhausted that one for the most part. Uh, if you can get back with us about the workaround that you seem to be having a problem with, like I said, anything that, you know, a lot of stuff that we as amateur radio operators are going to do, not everything, not most things, but a lot, a lot of stuff that we're going to do as amateur radio operators, we're going to have to compromise here and adjust something there and that kind of stuff. You know, we might be able to help you further with that. My best uh, advice is to get on the news groups or mailing lists, whatever the particular software has as far as people interacting back and forth. And I'm big on that. You can tell I get like 100 emails every three days of just mailing lists and stuff. But go over and check them out. And with that, I guess we'll go have a have a listen.
okay, kids, we're going to make a run at this next. And we, we, we listened to some good music. Uh, Russ refilled his cup. I went and uh, uh, satisfied my addiction. And everything is good. Everything is good. We're doing an all-feedback show this time around. I, I don't know if y'all have noticed or not. And, uh, in fact, I'm going to snatch this one away from Russ before he has a chance to say nothing about no. it. And, See, they, they goes again. No, and, <laughs> <laughs> we got this, uh, got this feedback from Paul zero no. PGX with Russ screaming in the background. <laughs> the voice of the voice of Satan from flipping Arkansas. Anyway, <laughs> don't take my email from me. There you go. M zero PG. Oh, well, you read the damn thing then. No, you do it. Oh, <laughs> Okay, M0PGX, Paul, on uh, talking about D-Star and All-Star, the All-Star Link Network. All righty. says, hello, Richard and Russ. And I don't know why they always put my name first, because this is Russ's show. Everybody knows that. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Was it this episode or the previous one? I can guarantee it wasn't this one. Where uh, you talked about D-Star and different ways to use this mode we'll get to that in a minute i think it was russ russ who asked uh what the cheapest way to get in d star is anyway have you looked at all-star link at www.allstarlink.org this isn't specifically for d star but i have used this use this portal using nothing more than google chrome java and a mac to talk to people that were using D-Star radios that were set to the D-Star digital mode. I have had one station switch back and forth between D-Star and analog to see if there was any difference. I bet there was. Uh, rather than a point-to-point single protocol system such as Echolink, the technology behind All-Star Link seems to be a way to tie these different protocols together. A friend told me about this website, and someone living on the Isle of Man confirmed to me that they have a D-Star node connected to their repeater using this technology. So not only can you use the website as a portal into not only the D-Star world and many others, but if your repeater is set up for this technology and a D star node connects to your repeater, then the repeater also becomes a gateway to talking to people on D star. Admittedly, this doesn't give you any of the benefits of D star and the website is a little flaky. It works well on one of my machines, but not on another, but it does give you access to their voice network. And we're going to stop right there because I got a whole nother thing for the second half. So you got anything to put in on that? Well, I've got a whole bunch of stuff down here at the bottom, but are we going to discuss this before you move on to the next part or, or afterward? I would like to discuss it now. Am I doing my whole thing at the bottom here? Well, sure. Go ahead. Cause it, uh, the second part's only, only going to have to do with that last uh, bullet. Okay. Right there. Um, to address the last thing he talked about first, where he says that he had success with one of his browsers or one of his machines and not another, I must say that I had the same experience. And unfortunately, the machine that I had success with was a Mac machine, 
and the machine that I had non-success with was a Linux machine. So that being said, let me talk a little bit about the All-Star Link network. Because of this email, I actually went and checked out the allstarlink.org website, and I actually signed up uh, my call sign to get on All-Star Link. There is a bunch of rigmarole involved in getting started up with All-Star Link, uh, and much in the same way that Echolink works. When you want to sign up and start using Echolink, you have to you know, become a member of the echolink.org website. You have to be validated that your call sign is legitimate and all of that kind of stuff. I went ahead and did that. As a matter of fact, uh, this afternoon in between all the work that I was doing, which was kind of a pain in the ass, but I got it done. One thing that's kind of interesting about the way all Starlink works is that it uses the asterisk VOIP system to pass voice data around the internet where it is then connected to radio nodes, whether they be analog radio nodes or D-star radio nodes or just regular FM repeaters with auto patches or any other kind of radio equipment. And then the data is passed back and forth between them using VOIP. And this is done via the app, APP underscore RPT application for asterisk which was written by W6 or W something, was it WN6LIF? Is that right, or am I going to have to go look it up? I would have to look it up. I, I think know. I'm going to have to go look it up. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's uh, WB6NIL, Whiskey Bravo 6, November India Lima, who I believe wrote the repeater link application for asterisk, which was the basis of how you set up all star link and get all of this stuff working. Now, one thing I would like to talk about before I continue on with all of the stuff that I have written here is that Richard, you said that this was sort of like echo link without the problem that echo link has. So yeah, it, well, I mean, when I was reading through the information, um, it looks very much like echo link, except for the fact that echo link, Echolink sees your, you coming in as an IP address. And the problem with that is that you, only one IP address is allowed at a time. The same IP address is only allowed to log on one time at, at one time. Okay. Which means that like in the case of setting up a server for, uh, for the conferences, chat rooms, whatever they're called over at Echolink has been so long since I've been there. If you're running the server software to run that, you can't log in as a user and test it because both of it doesn't matter if you're on multiple computers, you're coming in through one IP address from the, uh, from the service provider. In this case, the, the way I read it and understood it is that it's not dependent on that in on that IP address that identifies you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to set up multiple radios, multiple servers, and that kind of stuff from one location. This is a problem I had because I was going to set up one of the servers at my home over in uh, Bald Springs. I needed to test it by using the Echolink software, and I couldn't do it. And I finally figured out that it was the fact that uh, I did. I had one single IP address from my provider, and it would not accept connections from more than one it would not allow more than one connection from a particular IP address, if that makes sense. 
No, that makes perfect sense to me. I don't know how it makes sense to everybody else, but hopefully it does. If y'all, if y'all don't understand it, uh, send, send an email to bill at boobymountains.com. Okay. Well, if you want to use this all-star link network, it's, um, it's kind of interesting. It works a lot like echo link does, as I've already said. Um, one thing that's kind of neat about it though, is that any of the equipment that you want to hook up to this all-star link network can be whatever kind of equipment you want, whether it be an FM based two meter repeater or AM based or D star based or whatever it is, doesn't matter. As long as you have a machine running, uh, asterisk with this particular module built in, which is in the standard repository. So you don't have to do anything special to get it built in. It just sort of is. But if you want to then set it up, all you have to do is go to the allstarlink.org website, sign up with your call sign, give them all the information that they want, and then they will validate you, send you a link that uh, validates your email address. You go ahead and click on it and everything is good. And then within 24 hours, they will validate your call sign, making sure that you are in fact a valid amateur radio operator. And I want to say that my call sign was validated inside of about three hours. Uh, so they do it well inside of the 24 hour limit that they give. So once you do that, then you have access to the web portal. If you have access to the web portal, then you can use their Java client to connect to all star link nodes. And these can be D star or FM repeaters or a whole bunch of other things. You don't need, and, and this is just as uh, M0PGX said, you don't need anything more than a set of speakers and a microphone and a web browser that supports Java to connect to any of these nodes because they are then connected to, um, via this Java app, other repeaters and various equipment out there on the radio network and they can also be linked back and forth, sort of like uh, linked repeater nodes are to various other repeater nodes to give you some very, very wide access coverage. And because this is VOIP technology using the internet, you can connect to radios that are accessible like in Europe and Asia and South America and places where you may not actually be. So that's pretty cool. All of this probably sounds a lot like Echolink, and in fact, it really sort of is. So once once you get confirmed, you can then make yourself uh, what's called a sysop um, inside the allstarlink.org software. And once you've done that, you can't undo it, but I don't see any problem with you know doing it in the first place. Basically, what this says is you're going to take um, at least one computer, maybe more, and link them to some sort of radio node, either a simplex link to the all-star link network or a repeater or some other method of getting radio communications into your VOIP network. This does have the onus of making you set up asterisk at some point, which is not that big a deal. And one thing that's nice about the all-star link network website is that they give you some very detailed instructions on how to set all of this stuff up. Now, all of this requires validation, sort of like your call sign did, which means it can take anywhere from five to 24 hours. And so far I have not received my server validation yet. So I have not been able to set up my FM equipment to join 
the All-Star Lake Network, but I'm hoping that will happen pretty soon, and I'll be able to report on it by the next episode, give or take. I will say that on different operating systems, the Java application has been kind of hit or miss. Like I said before, on my Mac machine, it works just fine. On my Linux machine, it doesn't work at all. If you find a working Java installation and get your browser to connect to some of these all-star link nodes, you will be able to use your web browser to connect to people talking on D-star repeaters or FM repeaters all over the world, which is kind of cool. It's very similar to what Echolink does. It just seems to do it in a kind of a cooler way. And it also uses the asterisk system, which is really neat, which means if you set it up properly, you can actually use like a hard phone to connect to one of these all-star link connections and using DTMF tones, you can make links to other all-star link nodes like D-star repeaters and FM repeaters. So you can actually make a two-way radio connection using a telephone, which is pretty cool if you ask me. The All-Star Link Network has lots of documentation on how to get everything set up. Basically, it's a cut-and-paste type operation. Once you get a machine that you want to set up this asterisk configuration on, I mean, it's really sort of a you know one-and-done type situation. You cut-and-paste the, the key file and the configuration options exactly the way they tell you to, and it just sort of works. Until you get all of this done, really all you can do is use the web portal, which I have done in receive-only mode. I've listened to various repeaters around the U.S. and around the world. In fact, uh, some from Ireland and so forth. Just like Echolink, you can hear people discussing things on repeaters all over the world. So it's pretty cool. And as soon as I get my node on the air and I'm able to use it to communicate with people you know, using my radio system as opposed to my VOIP Astra system, I will report on that. But so far, that's as far as I've gotten because I haven't yet been authenticated. So that's as far as I've gotten with All-Star Link. It's a, it's a very interesting system, and I'm going to pursue it and report on it as uh, things progress. But that's as far as I've got. And we do have a little bit of this email left, and Richard said he's going to uh, comment on it further. So... I'm going to send it back to him so he can do so. This is a separate uh, distribution that they're running this thing on. It's uh, based on CentOS. They call it ACID, and it has the uh, CentOS operating system and the asterisk uh, installed already on it and stuff. They also have a smaller, lighter version for, uh, I would assume, for things like a, a Shiva plug or something like that called Limey Linux, which also has support for the asterisk. And, um, you know, you probably need to download these and take a look at them to get started when you decide to set your server up and stuff. Um, and as far as the, I know that we got way off what the original email was, which was being able to work D star via this all star link. But the thing you have to remember is that with all star link and echo link that, uh, the con, the radio, you the, uh, modulation mode and uh, frequencies you're going to be on when you come out the other end on, on one of these servers when you hook up to it depends on the radio that's hooked up to it and they all hook up pretty much the same uh, in most cases with a sound card interface out of the uh, sound card 
there are a few out there that hook up via data, data cable, but not very many. So uh, if you plug a two meter rig into it, it'll be two meters. If you plug it into an HF, HF rig, it'll be HF. And if you plug it into a D-Star compatible radio in digital voice mode, people will come out on the D-Star frequency. So um, that's pretty much what's uh, going on with that. But we did feel, and in fact, I already had All-Star link up and was looking at it when the email came in and was wanting to talk about it because it does actually run on a real live Linux distribution, even though it's uh, not one of the ones we cover extensively on this show. Let me go ahead and finish uh, finish this email with this last paragraph. I got to scrolling a little further down, and in the feedback, we have a email that is very similar to this last paragraph, and we'll just uh, run over the top of both of those at the same time. So, or uh at least give the answer on that answer on both at the same time. Uh, it says one other thing about digital modes. We often use the term mode, but shouldn't they be referred to as protocols? My reasoning behind this is quite simple. We use the same standard modes, usually sideband and FM, and use software or hardware to add a layer. All we're doing here is adding a protocol, a set of instructions that defines how to send or encode and receive decode messages. We, uh, we are still transmitting in sideband or FM. Uh, maybe if we were to look at it in simple terms, if I suddenly started speaking Spanish or Italian, would I then be using a different mode? Of course not. Surely these uh, digital modes are protocols, and we have been using the wrong term all these years. Just a thought. Great show. Paul, M0PGX. Anything on that last one, Russ? No, I'm going to let you have it. I was just going to make sure you didn't pass that. Well, actually, I was going to I got, I was going to kind of table my end of that until we got down to the feedback because... The first feedback is very similar to what uh, what that last paragraph reads. Well, that's true because it's sort of a response to that. So, and I, I think we should probably address those after the break. So why don't we do that? Okie dokie. We'll be right back. Yes. 
Okay, we're fixing to go with it, Big Papa. Here we go. We're ready. Let me get back on the right page. Get to looking at the right stuff and shutting the hell up. No, I can't shut the hell up. I'm supposed to read this. Okay, so uh, we got well, a couple of Yeah, originally we were right. talking to, uh, well, uh, we got an email from Paul, M0PGX, who talked to us about, well, shouldn't this stuff be called modes as opposed to protocol oh well shouldn't they be called protocols as opposed to modes and we have a response from leaf kc8rwr which earth is going to read right now oh is it a response i didn't read it that well well oh, it's sort of sort of a response anyway <laughs> go for it but shouldn't they be referred to pro as protocols d star specifies a protocol that the modulation mode what d star specifies a protocol the modulation mode and voice codec etc uh, D-Star uses GMFSK, and no, it doesn't, but that, I, I, I see the point you're trying to make. It's GMSK uh, for modulation. And depending on whose description of G, GMSK one reads, it's either just a very specific kind of FSK, which is FM, or it's a whole different mode that just happens to be possible to generate by injecting a special signal into an FM modulator in the right spot. Really, it does modulate the frequency with a steady amplitude, but there are phase shifts involved, too, that aren't normal for FM. And that's from Leaf. Yeah, buddy. Anything on that, Russ? Thank you for your comments, Leaf, but I don't have anything that I want to say about this, so I'm going to leave it up to Richard. Leaf's on the right trail. The email we got from uh, Paul, M0PGX, is what he's responding to uh, from before the break. And he, he's on the right track. Let me start by saying that, you know, there's a lot of folks out there that like to nitpick semantics. Now, yeah, I, I, I understand that after my rant about uh, cue signals and lids and all this other stuff, I never said I was perfect. But let's just start with this. Mode, one of the definitions of mode mode is just a manner of acting or doing, a method or a way of doing something. It's pretty wide open how you use the word mode. Okay, but where D-Star is concerned, Leaf is right. He was a little mistaken. The actual acronym for the protocol is uh, GM, GMSK, which is Gaussian Minimum Shift King. Uh, they're using a minimum shift on, on the king, king rate to get the, get the uh, bandwidth down. They're also using a Gaussian filter to try and level it, level it out. And that's the actual modulation mode of the thing. Then we layer on top of it the protocol, which is the algorithm that comes from the AMB 2020 vocoder chip, which uh, adds that layer of information on top. So when you do this, you are doing it with a with the FM uh, radio, and you are injecting it in at a different point that it wouldn't normally be injected in. You're decoding it with FM receiver also. But in most people's minds, it does qualify as mode. As I was telling them in the telling them earlier, while we were at break, there's a mode out there called DFCW, which CW is mode all by itself. Most people agree that CW is a mode all by itself, but DFCW is a frequency or frequency modulated or FM mode because it 
doesn't follow the same rules. It's still CW, but it uses frequency, frequency shifts instead of spacing to uh, achieve the same result. There are other modes out there that, uh, well, really, if you want to get really literal, literal they said uh, PSK31 in, uh, in the chat room would qualify as sideband. And thinking about it myself, Riddy would qualify as sideband because I haven't heard a station run Riddy on FM FM uh, above 50, 50 megahertz in years or 30 megahertz in years. And there's so many different ways of putting these signals together and getting them out into the ether yeah, that we have to to draw the line uh, we have to use the word somewhere now i'm on i myself am going to say that the word mode is kind of like well down here in in the southern u.s we refer to most sodas as coke a lot of times people be going to get a dr pepper a pepsi a seven up whatever they'll refer to it as coke mode is kind of loose loose like that also it's like I said earlier, the dictionary says, <laughs> and that's where I always go when I got a question about uh, how something should be interpreted, is that it's a particular type or form of something, a manner of acting or doing, a method of way, uh, let's see, a designated condition or status as for performing a task or responding to a problem. Okay, so... Mode is a pretty wide open word. You can, you can use it in a lot of cases. Now, when we talk about mode as amateur radio operators, we are talking about AM, FM, sideband, uh, digital voice, which D-Star falls more in the digital voice than a category of its own. And there's more and more digital voice out there. And even though it does use sideband, AM, FM, there are different ways of getting that information onto that signal, which doesn't make them exactly what we're used to when we think about AM, FM, sideband, and the the other ways of uh, modulating these signals. So let, let's walk away with that. And if you disagree, well, send us an email. Send it to all of us. That would be, let's see, who all do you need to send that to? You need to send that to Russ, K5TUX. You need to send it to Richard, KB5JBV. You need to send it to Bill, K9WKA. Then you need to send one care of Madam Moo, AE5CP, EI7IG, K4RJJ, KC9KHT, KD7JWC, stroke AG, congratulations, uh, V2HKW and Ted WA0EIR. Except you have to be careful how you word it with Ted because he will fling you the finger. So, <laughs> do we have anything? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Once, once we get into finger flinging, I think it's time to pack it up. Well, she's got fingers, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I completely lost. <laughs> well, I think we've exhausted all the entertainment value that uh, GMF and GMSK GMSK has to offer at this time. So we should probably move on to the next. I don't know if we want to do an entire analysis of all the digital modes. Not a single one of them is actually digital because they're all transmitted over upper sideband, which is analog. Lower sideband too. 
Well, that's true. Any of the sidebands, but whatever you want to talk about, there's still a single sideband transmission, which is entirely analog. So just because you're whistling into a microphone or creating some sort of a tone generation over a sideband signal, um, which is only, you know, half, half of an AM signal, whether it be the top part or the bottom part, it is still entirely analog. So to worry about whether something is either a mode or a protocol is ridiculous because to consider whether something is actually digital or analog is entirely ignored in ham radio. So, uh, let's move on to the next thing. Yeah. What he said, we had, we had stepped up with the big boys. And in fact, uh, the things they're calling digital voice and digital, uh, data right now, uh, it's a step in the direction that, uh, we're all going to have to go, which is narrower bandwidths on there well there you go all righty so uh let's move on to the next one who is from our favorite emailer leaf kc8rwr and he says nitpicking is fun sometimes i write too much jeez i need to be careful with you guys you acknowledge it all yes every last bit your foibles will be pointed out by the guys at Linux in the ham shack. Uh, let's see. I'm getting into HF very slowly, mostly something. I'm, I am trying to build my own gear, but that's another story. What little I have been on it's QSL, this QSL, that, oh, okay. What little I've been on it's QSL, this QSL, that I've had a hard time figuring out when QSL is being used as a statement. Or when it is a question, just listening to the radio, it seems like all I hear is cue this, cue that. But the more I read online or listen to podcasts, that's lid behavior. I'm confused. And that's from Leaf. So you want to take this first? You want me to have Eddie? Oh, I'm not going to even touch this one. This is all Richard territory. I gadged me some chunks out of this bad boy. That's right. Well, you know, first of all, the Q, the guys using the Q signals, chances are they don't realize that there are Q, uh, let's see, QS, QR, QT. Uh, there's way more Q signals than they, than they use. Now, that QSL is that trying to sound like a professional radio operator again. Roger, uh... All this, uh, and I've said Roger has it pl- has its place, but it's used inappropriately. And stop saying boobies while I'm trying to talk about this. You're right. Cue this, cue that. See, uh, things have changed over the last 20 years when they opened the floodgates with no, with the codeless license. And uh, this is, and I'm going to put a label on this. I'm not fixing to bash codeless licenses. What I am saying is that the guys that were here before that, there's been a long tradition of elmering new people. And when they opened the floodgates, we couldn't keep up. And whereas we were able to keep the Q signal thing down to a dull roar, and we could keep people speaking plain English for the most part, it was impossible for people to give up, especially when a lot of the old timers threw their hands up and walked away. The Q's thing, it's best to just let the people that are using them, use them. Because that's when everything's going to spread out. You know, most of the time, if they're using cue signals, they just don't know any better. You you get on a, on the air and holler, I'm at the QTH. Uh, QSL, I heard that. There are going to be people listening that know they're listening to a lid. So do your best to stay away from 
best you can. I'm going to go QSY because all this QRM down here on Linux in the ham shack. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> anyway, so, so leaf. Yeah. Um, better to stay away from jargon, stuff like that. Q signals were de- developed for a specific purpose, just like 10 codes were developed for a specific purpose. And you know how they've gotten out of hand on that, uh, that band that a lot of us don't talk about much. Tenko, uh, Tenko's were developed for a specific purpose, but also ITU phonetics were developed for a specific purpose. And even more so, there's a specific set of numbered ARRL radiogram messages that are used quite often on the traffic nets, but that's they're the only place they're used. When was the last time you heard somebody holler ARL 15 on, on one of the repeaters? So do your best to stay away from them. Try and speak plain English because it just makes it simpler for everybody else. Okay, Russ, go ahead, lid boy. <laughs> no, I actually agree with you. And part of the problem is that there is very little communication and traffic on amateur radio repeaters or during amateur repeater or amateur radio nets that even involve any kind of communication at all, whether or not it involves Q signals or 10 codes or any other kind of obfuscation, we really need to get folks involved in amateur radio again and just talking like normal human beings, you know, rather than all of this, you know, I want to sound like a professional radio operator kind of crap. Get out there, join an amateur radio club, become an amateur radio operator, get your license, do whatever it takes. Just do the right thing, man. Talk to us. We, we want to hear from you. And I I'm know that was freaking stroke. He agreed with me. I'm sorry. Do I, do I have to disagree with you in order to keep you alive? No, that's okay. I'm, 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 I've been waiting for a stroke. This, this ain't the big one I've been waiting on, but it, it, it'll do for right now. Okay. Well, that's good. Then I guess I'll just send it back to you. Cause we got one more to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Uh, Bill, Bill 3.0 rights. <laughs> K five WMA. Uh, why do hobos migrate to new Orleans from Dallas this time of year? Dallas doesn't have Mardi Gras. Well, no, well, let me finish. Carnival season starts January 6th and runs through fat Tuesday. And that comes from Paul K E five WMA in the new Orleans area. Uh, if that's where they're migrating to, I just, I really don't know. I just noticed it, it dawned on me. I've noticed it before, but I've let it slip my mind. Uh, it seems that all the street people tend to migrate this time of year. You can see them on the highways heading, heading down the side road with the buggy and the cats and the bad, the bad hairdos and everything. Some of them are even in cars. Now, if they're migrating down to Mardi Gras, I might hire a couple of them to carry, carry me in their backpack next time because I haven't had a chance to get down there yet. We do not have Mardi Gras in Dallas. We have everything else. In fact, up here, uh, Martin Luther King's birthday is really big, which doesn't work too ba- much for me. In fact, I've got over the years, I, I used to be, nah, I ain't even going to. So, uh, with that, yes, that that's probably what's going on. We don't have Mardi Gras up here, and I'm I'm just glad to know that they're coming down there where they might get wiped out by a hurricane. So, Russ, have you got anything on that one? 
No, I have nothing about that one. And I do want to mention, and and Bill, Bill number one, K-9-W-K-A, uh, I'm sorry, The Bill keeps reminding me to the mention, that, yeah, The Bill, keeps reminding me to remember that Big Papa sent us a donation. I think I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, but in case I didn't, I wanted to make sure I did now. I that, started to say that, and you told me no. You made me go ahead and read that first feedback. Oh, I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean to. But anyway, Big Papa sent us Big a donation. Papa. That's right. Big Papa sent us a donation uh, a little while ago, but I just wanted to make sure he got definitely recognition for sending us a donation. Thank you very much, Big Papa, for sending there us that donation. Go. That's Big right. Papa. So uh, now, uh, now here's a, here's the deal. This is going to sound absolutely ludicrous. It's not going to sound like it means anything or anything else, but here we go. We need to invite big Papa down to the booby mountains to see flipping Arkansas. We really need to do that. And, um, I, I don't know. I might catch a bus. <laughs> if you catch a bus, I will pick you up at the bus station. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee it. As a matter of fact, if Big Papa comes over here anywhere near a microphone, I will drive down to Dallas and just bring you up so we can have a good old time. <laughs> we, we probably don't have to worry about that uh, that too much because Mrs. Big Papa has probably turned ripped the speakers out of the computer at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my. And... <laughs> Uh, let's see. That's me. Russ is getting hammered. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to hammered in the ham shack. Uh, this is Russ's other show. <laughs> Linux in the hammered shack. <laughs> <laughs> Who noticed? Oh, come on. I can't, I can't even have fun with bill. I mean, it was his wife or no, he was the one who actually said he wanted to be called big papa. In the face of his wife, she's a really nice lady. No, and he's, I'm, he's the one with the issues. No, I'm sure she is, and I'm I'm sitting here trying to run with it, and he's giving me grief about it. Oh, look, he's threatening to come over and whoop your ass. That, that's right, and uh, I will too. I'm sorry, he's threatening to come over and whoop your badger. <laughs> that doesn't really sound any better, does it? <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, thanks. Big Papa. I'm sorry. Let me say this as demurely as possible. Thanks, Bill, for your donation. I just want to make sure that everybody knows that we got a donation from Bill. With that, we finished up the feedback. We've gotten through the show, and it's time for us to say good night. We would like to thank Big Papa for, for coming in and joining us this evening and supplying so much joy to the rest of us, even though we know that his wife is probably standing behind him with a fly, fly swatter beating the hell out of him at this moment. So if you want to contact me, you can get a hold of me at kb5jbv at gmail.com. kb5jbv at gmail.com. Or look for me on the social networks, the, the, the whole wide world of social networks, uh, mostly on Facebook and Twitter, where I am kb5jbv, or in, in the case of those of you that couldn't find me the other day, uh, Richard Bailey. Friend me up, say hello, whatever you want to do. I'm also looking at a new one, which we may talk about in a few weeks, called Diaspora. I will have to find out more about it, though. So with that, let me uh, <laughs> let me toss something at the Booby Mountains and, and let, uh, let Russ give you his information. 
You can email me at k5tux at info. You can email Richard and I together at info at lhspodcast.info. Check us out on the web at lhspodcast.info. Leave us a comment on the website. You can even leave us a voice comment at 1909LHSshow. That's 1909-547-7469. You can even advertise something that you want to uh, promote. Uh, as long as you leave us something entertaining on the voicemail, we will uh, talk about you uh, probably to the point of distraction. But anyway, I'm out there on all of the social media networks from Twitter to Facebook to Google Plus, 73s.org. You can find me as J.R. Woodman on all of the main sites and K5TUX at 73s.org and 7 ices social media network for ham radio operators usually i would say probably something else about how you can find us or any way to leave us information but if you haven't figured it out at this point you probably never will so that's about all there is from the slightly dewy booby mountains up here in north central arkansas this is k5tux saying thanks for joining us and thanks to everybody in the chat room we would uh, love to have you in the chat room next time around but that's it for me, and I'm going to send it back to Richard in Heartland, Texas, who is going to say, Well, just remember, up there where Russ is, they're shiny and slick. And um, I would just like to say a word that, Chris, I'm trying to get a hold of you about my 73s.org account because I can't get in the dang thing. And with that, I probably need to say, uh, Fat Bottom Girls, you make the rocking world go round. We'll see you all next time.